Well, welcome back to Contemplating Resonance podcast. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I, I took me months of thinking about this effort to get episode one recorded. And here we are like four days later and I'm recording episode two and I have a guest, first guest ever on this newborn podcast that we have here. And with me, I have Marla um, Taviano. Is that Taviano? Either way, Taviano? however you want to say it. <laughs> okay. And um, and 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 um, I'll say I I don't remember exactly how it was that I found you on Instagram, but I um, like back towards the end of 2022, I I just completely nuked my social media. And, um, I had started hanging out with some, in a, in a space where just like everybody had an Instagram and I didn't, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, if I want, I want to connect to these people. So like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll create an Instagram account again. And it was somehow through that burst of like adding that group that apparently some of those people also follow you. Um, and, 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 and I have all of your you know, books, Ooh. at least that you care to talk about here. <laughs> um, and actually, that's, that's, I'm going to ask you about that later. But okay. um, I will let you introduce yourself to, uh, to this uh, small but merry band of listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. I am excited to be the first guest. I'm trying to think if I've ever been anyone's first guest. Maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, my name is Marla Taviano, and... Matt said he's gonna let me introduce myself, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Because I, I never know how I'm gonna, <laughs> how I'm gonna introduce myself. I think we'll keep it short. Um, I am a writer and a reader, and I usually tack on lover and learner to that. I am a single mom of four young adults. My last child just turned eighteen last week, so I have no more children all of them are adults and i lived in ohio for 39 years cambodia for five and then i moved to south carolina in march 2020 on the last plane out of sea covid 19. so i these days i well i guess i could say that i used to be um the very best Christian girl there ever was. <laughs> and I did everything right and played by the rules and knew all my stuff and loved people a lot. And I just desperately wanted them to go to heaven and not hell. And so I did a lot of things to try to save people. And that all, um, that all is over. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. And um, my life is heading in a, in a pretty different direction these days but i am i am happy and i am free and i'm finding wholeness and meeting all kinds of cool people and doing a lot of fun things and i'm in a pretty good spot awesome see see what's not to love about that <laughs> <laughs> what's not to love about that um i i find my people um and and you're clearly clearly one of my people yeah. um and and we've been down different but very similar mm. um roads 
one of the things I, I, I joked about this earlier and I said, I go ahead and want to pull on, on this thread a little bit. Like, so I'm, 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 um, I'm an author as well. Um, I'm not as prolific as you are. Um, but there was a time that you wrote books from a very <laughs> different perspective than you would have now. And yet, you know, to some degree, like those books are, I mean, they're still out in the world, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and now you have things that you're, you know, very proud of and, and, and that represent who you are today. And so it's, what, what is it, what is that like? Like to feel like, okay, there's not only did, do I have like these two, um, kind of different people that I feel like I've been, but also there's like this whole written representation of that <laughs> out there. Like, I don't even, that, that it's almost horrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of horrifying to me too. I think there are a couple ways to look at it. It's not really black and white. Um, there have been times when I've just been mortified that those things are out there in actual print and people can still buy them um, and read them. And now at the uh, ripe old age of 48, I wrote my first book when I was, well, I think it was published when I was 30, 2006. Yeah, I was 30. Um, and I, now I can honestly say that I am grateful for those books. I'm grateful that I wrote them. I'm grateful that they are in print. For one, they are, they serve as receipts. Because when you are a conservative evangelical Christian, and then you decide that you no longer want to be that, um, because you've woken up to the toxicity and the harm that is being caused and, and all these other things, when you do that, you're going to get, at least I did, a lot of people say, well, you must not have really been a Christian. If you're going to walk mm. away from that, you must not have really been mm. a Christian. I can hand you four. I have them right here. I usually have them on hand when I <laughs> do podcast interviews because inevitably people want to know, what did you do? You wrote these books. Um, I That's a few hundred thousand words of proof of how zealous and dedicated to God and Jesus and Christianity I was. And these books specifically are about marriage and motherhood. And the marriage books go even a step farther where it's, I was committed to complementarianism. I was committed to submitting to your husband. He's your leader. God put him in charge of you. All the blah, 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 blah. That's all right there. Yeah. I believed it. I wrote about it. I spoke to women's groups about it. I It was deep, deep, deep inside of me. So it was real. All of the things that I believed were real. And so it actually, I feel like, um, gives me credibility. I can't, people don't, they can't come to me and start giving me all these arguments. I'm like, um, yeah, I wrote a whole book about your arguments. They're right here. I know them forward and backward. And now yeah. I believe something different. And so that's not going to work on me. You can't come to me you can't come to me with your Bible facts. I've read the Bible through like 15, 20 times. I don't know. I've done a million Bible studies. I did daily devotions every day of my life for 40 years. Like there's just not a whole lot you can say that's going to be convincing to me. That is what I lived and breathed. 
yeah. for so long. And the really cool thing that's happening now is I just read back through from Blushing Bride to Wedded Wife uh, just at the beginning of this year. So like last week um, and the end of last year too. But <laughs> it made me nauseous, like physically nauseous at some points. But I could see myself in there, like the real me. I could see the threads. Yeah. I could see that I loved people and I desperately wanted to be good and loving and kind. And I was just misguided. And so I'm able now to go back and learn more about myself and learn how I can help other people. And it's kind of like I, I, I'm enough distance from it that I can be like, oh, you sweet little girl, like <laughs> you poor yeah. sweet little girl. Instead of being angry or upset, I just I just feel a lot of love for her. Like I feel compassion for her. Um, she was trying so hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah, and now I don't I don't know how much I will write about that going forward. I'm it's a delicate balance, like trying to find, I look backwards so that I can go forward so I can like mm. piece those things together, but I don't ever want to stay back there. So that's kind of a thing that I'm trying to figure out, but I don't feel stressed about it. It's, um, it is what it is. And, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it and it resonates with people. It's really, a really, really good way to connect with people wherever they are if they are also cringing at themselves if they're still kind of there if they're trying to get out of that um and a, a lot of people call me brave i don't know maybe i'm brave for sharing that stuff but it's out there anyway so it's kind of better that i just admit that i <laughs> that i said it and not have people show me oh look what marla said 10 years ago or 15 years ago i know i said it there it is i mean you take ownership of it and like you're just all I'm doing is proving that I'm a human being and that I change mm. over time. And yeah, that, hey, this was me. This is a snapshot of me at a point in time. And now you're getting a very different snapshot. It's still me. Yeah. It, But, you know, even though sometimes. I don't recognize the person that I run into when I read some of the things mm. that I've written. Yeah. Um. And it's not that I, I feel bad about it. It's just that I'm like trying to get my head into the same space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of Okay. I, clearly, I had a specific set of glasses that I was looking at the world through <laughs> yeah. at that time. And I just, it it's like I can't even conjure them up to put them on. Right. I feel you. Yeah. And so you're just kind of like, is that this? Is that still me? Or like, it's, it's weird. Like, um, somewhere in this house, there's a box of journals. Mm -hmm. How far <laughs> back do they go? Um, some of them go back to, I'd say uh, 2000, 2001 probably okay. is the oldest stuff that I have. Um, assuming that I still have what I'm thinking of. Um, it, it could very well be one of the boxes that I left at my, at my ex-wife's house. That's exactly uh, when my journals start. I was pregnant with my oldest in 2000 in my very first okay. journal. I wish I had ones from earlier. I have a couple things I wrote down. We got married in 1998. So I have a little bit that I wrote here and there, but the journals start in 2000 and I have 62 of them. <laughs> so there's a whole yeah. lot of, 
Yeah, I don't have that. I don't have that. Like, I, I, I'm a very, I'm a very like sporadic. Like, I will write a bunch just in a burst, and then I mm. won't write again for months. Yeah. Um, and so you can see that, and 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 I have, you know, probably a few dozen of journals that start. I haven't written it in a while, and now I'm gonna, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm rationalizing to myself in my journal why. I haven't been writing. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Um, but uh, I'm honestly a little bit terrified to read some of the stuff that I wrote because I, I do have enough memories of when I hear, I try not to watch a lot of videos of people saying ridiculous things now because yeah. they tend to be more triggery than yeah. anything else. But um Occasionally I'll see some and I'll be like, that's terrible. But I said shit exactly like that. Mm -hmm. yep. I said, I mean, I said stuff that's exactly as ridiculous as this is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, not just saying it, but I was invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just weird. And so like, I'm, I'm just barely starting to dabble in personally um processing and writing about some of these things um i guess you know it was i mean it was 2016 20 i think you know i i point everything points back to donald trump unfortunately but yeah um like we owe him a lot actually. Who, who, who doesn't need a good catalyst <laughs> um yeah. but yeah it's it was it was kind of like just I didn't need much to push me over at the edge at that point. Yeah. Um, and so um, there was no way I was staying on the cliff at that point. And right. you kind right. of fall off. And um, yeah, I fell off so hard that, yeah, I was just like, okay, I don't want to even think about or talk about or be in the proximity of religion yeah. <laughs> for years um and it uh i don't know so it was it, it's been more recently that i've started kind of like okay as i've gotten back into a different kind of spirituality now um you know things kind of float to the surface and like a couple of years ago, I opened this Google Doc and I just wrote a bunch of things. It's like, you know, I should probably write about this and I should probably write about this. And I and, um, and that kind of sat and marinated for a couple of years. And and then um, it kind of turned into what is now this podcast and the writing that I've been doing and that I'm going to hopefully continue to do. Um, God, I almost said Lord willing. Like, what is wrong with me? Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. I don't even need the laugh track that comes with this thing. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, it's like I, I, I caught myself like, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to confess that sin right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so um, I guess um, one of the things that, I want to ask about because like I can piece it together 
from poem to poem to poem and and reading things on Instagram and everything. But like, I guess I don't, I don't know that I have in my head, like, you know, what's, what, what, what's the story of how you, you know, kind of went off that same cliff, I guess. <laughs> um, what was, um, what was that like? Okay. Well, it's, it's funny how you just said that you said that you can piece it together from the poems, but you don't have the whole story. So speaking of writing, I, I allude to this in Unbelieve, my first book of poetry that came out in 2021. And I say that for five or six years, I was trying to write the story of my mm. quote unquote deconstruction. And I couldn't write fast enough because everything was falling apart and things would change and I would write. And then by the time I wrote something, I was so far removed from that, that I was like, that doesn't even sound good anymore. Like that's, and so in the past, when I wrote from blushing bride to wedded wife and those kind of books, I knew exactly what I believed. Nothing was changing. Nothing was shifting maybe some experiences in my marriage that I was writing about gave me more stories to write, but I had that solid base, that solid foundation mm. of this is what I believe. And I'm going to put the, my stories into that framework. Well, when what you believe keeps changing and you keep learning new information, you keep unlearning toxic yeah. things, you can't put it in a, <laughs> you can't put it in a framework in a story and a thing that makes logical chronological sense. And so I was struggling so bad. And when my ex-husband left unexpectedly in September 2020, like my plan had been, oh, he finally has a job. We're settled back in the States. I'm going to write a book about my deconstruction. Well, then phew, that all blew up. And people ask me, how did you start writing poems? I don't actually know. Maybe I could look back and find some information that I wrote down, but it largely was a result of I cannot put this in a form that makes sense, includes everything, fills in all the gaps, puts all of it together in a cohesive whole and isn't 7,000 pages long. And mm -hmm. so I decided if I can't do that, I'm going to tell less. I'm just going to do here's a poem. Here's a poem. Here's a poem. Here's a poem. And then I do find, like you just said, people are like, well, but what's the story? Like fill in the gaps. Well, I can, I can do that. I do that on podcast interviews. I do it um, when I write on Instagram, I'll do it on my Substack. but I probably will never have that straight narrative that goes right. all the way through, but I can say, I mean, I can give a general overview um, it started with a book called The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns. And this, he had this, I forget, world vision or something, something he did in Uganda. And he was realizing, like, he kind of woke up to the fact that, wait a minute, if the gospel is just Jesus died, died on the cross for your sins so you can go to heaven, but here are these AIDS orphans in Uganda dying of starvation, that gospel isn't enough for them. They need food, they need shelter, they need families, they need a whole lot more than what we have like distilled this gospel message down to, where I used to believe that saving souls was all that mattered. Food was not really important. Like the Democrats wanted to feed the poor, <laughs> you know, that we were, we cared about what really mattered. Well, that just threw everything out of 
whack for me. Like, wait a minute. So my gospel isn't enough because I'm not feeding people, mm. helping with their physical needs, whatever. Took a trip to Cambodia in, in 2010. So this is around 2009, 2010. Then helped friends plant a multi-ethnic church in our city. And I started um, for the first time, not the very first time in my life, but had a lot of friends who were black instead of mostly white and started waking mm. up to all these things. Trayvon Martin was killed. One of my black friends said, why aren't my white friends talking about this? I had no idea what she was, what who Trayvon Martin was. Sure. I Google it, I find out, and then everything just starts to snowball. I have more gay friends and I'm like, why? So why? why are they bad? Like, why is this wrong? I gay friends who are Christians who are praying, trying to pray the gay away for 30 years every day. And I'm thinking something is messed up here. Like, how mm. can, yeah. how can this be like this God that we serve is supposed to be able to do anything, but he can't make them not gay so they can go to heaven. What's, what's up with that? And yeah, so by the time 2016 rolled around, I was um, I was way ahead on my journey, way pretty far ahead of most of the people I knew and and was friends with. Um, but started meeting people that were on that journey, and also meeting people who tried who'd been trying to tell me this all along, <laughs> like mm. who didn't believe things like a literal Bible or little literal creation story or all these things that I. I believe for so many years. So, um, yeah, 2017 is the last time that I went to church. And I mean, I've, I've been to church a couple times since then, but not like I don't attend church. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, in 20, uh, 2018, early 2018, my sister and her husband disowned me for being a heretic and refused to see us when we came back to visit the States. So we moved to Cambodia January 2015, came back to visit in the summers of 2016 and 2018. I saw her and her family in 2016, but then in 2018, I didn't see them and haven't seen them since. So 2016 mm. was the last time. Um, and that was, way, that was way back before I was an actual heretic. Like I still believed so much of what I, what I no longer <laughs> believe. And then it got I'm to a the much point, more advanced heretic now. I am so advanced, like <laughs> advanced degrees that I've gotten. And there's just, I mean, there were times I can remember, and I did write a lot down, so I've got a lot of this recorded, but there were times when um, I would talk to people and they're like, so wait, if you're starting to say that you don't believe this is in the Bible or you don't believe this, or you don't think we need to take this literally or this, then, then do you believe? Like Jesus died? Do you believe he died for our sins? Do you believe this? Do you believe that? And for a while, I tried to figure that all out. And mm. I I don't really do that anymore. I really don't care. Um, it just doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> to me no, anymore. No, you're right. You're right. I've, I've had the same conversation yeah. with myself. The absolute same conversation. Yeah. So um, I, um, but now I am... I would, if you want a label, which I know you're not asking me for a label, but if people want a label, I would say probably agnostic just because I do not know. And that's the word that means I do not know. And I have no desire to go to church. I may at some point, I, I don't know that. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, people ask me, will you ever date again? 
Well, my marriage sucked for a lot of the time. And so when I hear people say like how good things could be, I'm like, yeah, I don't really get that. <laughs> what if I think of a, of a spouse as someone who's like another kid, except not very nice. And they, there's just a lot. I don't, I, I look at it as taking away my freedom. It's kind of how I feel about church right now. Going to church would be giving up some of my freedom. If it comes to a point where I meet someone and it's not that, or I find a church that I could go to and it's not that, then, then maybe it's not like I'm opposed to that, but that's just, I'm still, I think in recovery, <laughs> still kind of detoxing from from all of that. I have a poem in my new book. So I have three, it's a poetry trilogy. Two of the books are out. One comes out in March. And I have a poem about like, if I would have gotten $20 an hour for every like hour that I volunteered for God, I would be a millionaire. Um, mm. But I didn't see any, like somebody got rich off of all my unpaid labor, but it wasn't God. And it sure as hell wasn't me. It was someone, right. but it wasn't me. So um, I'm done with that for a while and maybe forever. I don't know. But I, I've, I've met, like, I have so many friends who are Christians. I have friends who are pastors. Um, I have friends who say, Marla, forgive me, but I see God in you. Um, they always started out like, that, like they're really sorry. They know I don't like God. but they, <laughs> <laughs> And I take it as a compliment. And I don't know what I believe about God and I don't, I'm not really worried about it. And that is amazing to me because I was so worried about it um, for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much, it's, it's the, it's the re contemplating resonance podcast. So, so much of what you just said resonated um, because I wouldn't say everything in exactly the same words, but I, I just felt like, oh yeah, I've been in that spot and I've been in that spot and I've been mm -hmm. in that spot. Um, wow. It doesn't sound like you feel like, you know, you're, you're lacking though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's like, okay, I don't want to go to church, but it's not like that's hurting me. I just, it's like I, I I can take it or you know I can take it or leave it, but I'm I'm, I'm right now I'm leaving it. Is that well, right? Like okay, yeah. I just had <laughs> so much church. Like I can't tell you how much church. From I was born on a Friday. I want to say I was in church that following Sunday. It might have been the Wednesday after. I don't know. But I'm talking Sunday school church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church for decades and decades it's a job and, and then full-time christian <laughs> ministry and then i was a missionary i worked at a christian church camp in the summers i taught at a christian school like it i have i've crammed more christian into 40 years of life than most people i've ever met so if i live to be 100 i will probably be 95 before <laughs> i need filled up with more like christian environment Sure, um, sure. And sure, so, yeah. so yeah, and lacking, absolutely not. And I am more myself and more whole than I've ever been. And I also tell people, I have more poems about this, that I'll have people say, not only, well, you must not have been a Christian. They'll say something like, oh, you mm. just, you just want 
to have sex with whoever you want, or you want to be able to sin or whatever. Um, and to that, I, I usually bluntly say, I am 48 years old. I've never had sex with someone I was not currently married to. So there's that. And I, I, do, I did not deconstruct my faith so that I could go out and sin. That I, I don't really care to, and now my definition of sin might be different, but sure, I, have, yeah. I have a poem about how my, what I really like to do is go to Goodwill and find cute little statues and old books yeah, that went out of print. One. And I like to watch Ted Lasso reruns in my bed by myself. <laughs> it's like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of um, debauchery or whatever that I We're am. such scary, <laughs> scary people, us, us deconstructionists. I, I do cuss a lot. I will say that. I, I love to cuss. I love to say, oh my God, like, oh my God is more fun for me to say than any other words. Um, because <laughs> I thought that was so bad. I was not allowed to say it. I didn't say, oh my God, until I was, I don't know, like 45, 45, who knows. But so I say it as many times a day as I can. <laughs> you, got, you got away with a lot less as a young person than I did. Um, um, yeah, it, but... I, I, uh, there's, there, there's, there's no mistaking this is for a podcast that we don't curse on because <laughs> I don't really know how not. I, yeah. I work in I a bank. Everybody curses. I like, don't think uh, I've cursed yet. I think you said something, but I didn't. I just said, oh my um, God. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I, and, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's even worse than a Christian curse word, though. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. That was one of the things that, that always, you know, made me happy when people finally started explaining to me like what it really meant to take the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, so basically you're saying the stuff that all the people who are like preaching, they're the yeah. ones taking the Lord's name in vain. Yep. And we're just over here having a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would think I would. Wow. Thank you for including me in your cursing. Um. I, yeah, Jesus fucking Christ is probably my, uh, <laughs> that's probably my, my personal, um, tool of choice. Yeah. Um, especially I, my kids say, it's like, dad, you have really extreme road rage. You're pretty chill the rest of the time, but on the road you turn into, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's, that's probably accurate. Um, there's just, I mean, there's so many wrong people out driving. I can't help it. <laughs> Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But um no, like I I one of the things that made me stop going to the last Southern Baptist church that I ever went to. Oh boy. Um, which was the one that I went to the longest, um, was I remember one morning the pastor I don't even remember what he was talking about, um um, and I sent you another poem with the um oh, yeah, this, yeah. Of yeah. the same title. Like many times it's like I can't remember what the point of the sermon was, but I can mm -hmm. remember this awful thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Um and, and there was the one with with the mother and the child that was crying that I wrote the poem about, and that's on the substack. Mm -hmm. Um but there was this other event, and I just the only words I remember from the sermon were, um, 
all atheists are sexual deviants. And I'm like, cool. what? What? Like, yeah. Where'd, where did that come from? Like, um, but it's this, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, if you don't have the same idea of God as me, then therefore you must also be into all of these terrible things, right? Yeah. That many of which actually aren't all that terrible. Right. Um, as it turns out. Um, but like precisely the opposite. Yeah. Like we actually turn out to be relatively boring people in the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the, in the, in the sin you know, list of, you know, it's like I'm in bed by eight thirty um <laughs> most nights, right? Um and uh but there is this there's this it's like you you can't possibly be a good person but not follow my God the way I follow my God. Right. I don't that I I wonder where that I don't know where that comes from, but it feels like that's like the thing that some, you know, that people, a lot of people are clinging to when they can't figure out what box to put us into. Does that make sense? A lot of it is about power. You have to power and control. If you want to control people, you have to have very specific, like strict parameters. You have to fit in here because there are so many dangerous things you could do that would let you escape from their control. So for women who are smart <laughs> and capable, they have to be, it has to be ingrained in them and drilled into them that you must submit to your husband. You must be under his leadership. You must do this. Like, that's how I was. Like, I was way too smart to do that. And I still did it because my deep, deep, deep desire to be good trumped that knowing that I had in my head that wait a second <laughs> like so they they want you to be a certain way so they can control you and they do really do not want you to see that there could be good people who don't see this this way because you've got they're they're appealing to your sense of good and bad to to mm. to evil and and good or whatever and so you have to be, you have to believe that anyone not in the box is evil and, and you are good. And you have to, if you want to stay good, you stay in the box and you do what they say. Um, Cause it's dangerous out there. If you get to know someone who is Muslim and you realize that they are kind and loving and invite you over for dinner. And even though they're refugees in your country, this is a true story that happened to me multiple times. Somali refugees who have basically nothing are inviting my whole entire family over and sharing this huge mm. Ramadan feast with them. And you get to know people who are gay. You get to know people who, if you're white and they're black, you get to know people who are Hindu. You get to know people like all these, and they are good, good, good people. And I'm not, obviously not all of them, just like not all of anybody is good. But you humanize but those people. Yes. And then you're like, wait, but they don't do things exactly like I do. They don't believe God exactly like I do. How can they be good? There must still be something. And so I got woken up in a lot of different ways. Um, but it was not just me reading books. Um, books were huge, but it was meeting people. It was meeting 
Um, oh yeah. People who were different from me and who loved me and were kind to me and were good neighbors, like good literal neighbors. Like we lived in the same apartment complex and they were good neighbors to me when I desperately needed them. Um, and so it got to the point where I saw too much. Like I saw too much of the world, saw, met too many good people who didn't fit in that box that I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I could like, I have a poem that says, like, wait a second, you're telling me my beautiful, wonderful, kind, generous Muslim neighbor yeah. is going to hell while my elderly, racist, horrible relative <laughs> is got a free ticket to heaven because he just happens to say he believes something. I'm like, yeah, that's not. Because you start to think, wait a minute. Because they would tell me, we don't understand God. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are just, we can't even, we can't question it. We can't understand it. We'd have to believe. And I'm like, well, you know what? If, if God really does believe that, I don't like that God. Like, I don't want to be in his club. I don't want to be on his team. He is not nice. Like, he is not a kind God. Right, right. He is right. sending people to hell know that he know about Jesus and they have to go to hell because they were born in the wrong place at the wrong time mm. and they're gay or they're this or they're that and so hell to hell they go and you can send Jesus down on the cross but you then you have to actually know about him and accept him and say the right things or you're still going to hell this hell that he made when he also made the world and he called it good, like just all like, what? when really the hell is, <laughs> is the life that they're being forced to live oh. in this country at yeah. this time, because sure. we are dehumanizing yeah. so many people um, just because they don't fit into a box. And yeah. I ran into the same, like for me, it was trap. You know, for me, it was getting out of, this little 100 to 200 mile radius that I spent most of my life in and traveling to multiple continents and meeting people in all these places that were supposedly lost and yeah. full of, you know, secular, evil, blah, blah, whatever you want to, you know, it was everything but good. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, again, I got out there amongst people i traveled with some of the p same people none of them were christians one was um i have no idea where that person is faith wise these days but mm -hmm. um because i haven't talked to them in a while but most of them were not christians mm -hmm. um several were just i mean you know as atheist as you can get but some of the sweetest people yeah um and and would and checked on me multiple times when you know i was kind of at the bottom um, you know, rock bottom where I hit um, towards the end of 2017 and finally got some amount of professional help. Mm -hmm. um, been on the up and up since, but it's like, who are the people who, it was the people who were going to hell that were taking care of me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I do remember way back in the day, like getting meals from people because we were on a list um, when like children were born or somebody was sick, mm -hmm. like, you know, there was, I, I remember a lot of that. And I'm not saying people weren't being kind, but I, I, you know, when, when someone is 
not supposed to be in your corner and they are. Yeah. It speaks so many more words to me than when someone's in your corner because, well, of course they're in your corner. They're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I want to say there was some scripture about that at somewhere. Um, it's like, well, <laughs> if you love the people that are your friends, right? You know, yeah. that, how hard is that? Yeah. that? Are your enemies? That's, that's, that's where you show that you've grown and that you've got, cause you can see people as it's like, Oh, that's my enemy, but they're also a human being. Yeah. See, this is why I like to have conversations. <laughs> um, like scripted podcasts, that's for the birds, um, in my opinion. Like, I had no idea we were going to talk about any of this stuff. <laughs> I told you I was up for anything, so. No, no, um, and, and I appreciate that. Um, so, um, let's, we, we, we've, we've been pretty heavy. Let's, let's. Let's lighten it up a little bit. So, so one of the things that I guess I, I ran, you know, shortly after discovering you and the things that you're doing, I discover this, this poem art thing that you have, mm. uh, that have been doing and, and, and taken me so far as to, I've got my favorite ones that I made, you know, here that, Yay. that have been, they, they actually sit up my, my altars right here next to my desk and they sit. Um, cause these two poems, um, honestly, I think are some of my favorites. Um, the one, you know, that I'm a lot and I like it, um, mainly because you quote Ralph Waldo Emerson, who <laughs> yeah, has been uh-huh. just, you know, that poem has been dear to me for so long. Mm. Um, I, I told the story on Instagram, but like. Um, I don't remember what year of high school it was that I, that we were studying that particular poetry, but I remember reading this, do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I don't have to make sense all the time. Yeah. I don't have to fit into a box, even mm-hmm. though, you know, as a teenager, like you're spending most of your time trying to fit into all the yeah. boxes yeah. so that you can be acceptable. <laughs> but um, I just kind of carried that with me over the years. I mean, there's, there's like, it's like, what do you remember from your high school education? I remember those lines. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's one of those, the few random things that I picked up and stuck with me. Yeah. And, um, and again, like I, I, I tell the story to people. Yeah. I had this on my Tinder profile um, that I created, um, two hours before I took off on a flight to New York. Um, and I was like, well, I I was in the first situation where I kind of was like, well, I'm kind of free to date at the moment. Well, this New York, cool. Like it'll be, it'll be, there'll probably be more people, um, to potentially match with there than at home. Right. Um, so, uh, so I create this thing and then like I land and I've matched with someone first match. Um, and, um, she, she's hanging out back there, um, <laughs> in the is, bedroom trying to stay off the podcast, so but, cool. but, but yeah, so, so when I read that poem, I was like, okay. Um, and you sent me, you know, just, I assume some rant, mostly random, uh, you know, uh, illustrations to, to play with. And when I saw this little guy, I was just like, that has to go with this poem. Um, um, and then the other one about like, to me, it's like, it's very short. This, my big dream, like 
a world where every human being is safe to be their absolute truest, most authentic self and is met with joy and celebration at every damn turn. Mm. I was just like, you know, like what a manifesto, mm. like just what, a, like, you know, obviously there are details, but like, if you got this right, <laughs> just this, like what kind of a world would, would it, would it be? And so I'm just like, yep, that's the little girl reaching for the ice cream. Like that's my <laughs> ice cream right there. Yep. Um, cause I love ice cream. I mean, I am absolutely <laughs> obsessed with, if they told me I had to give up ice cream or, or die, I would probably die. Um, I don't, I, I just don't see, I just don't see how ice cream could not be a part of my world. Um, and anyway, like, so putting those two things together, it's just like, yeah, like how hard is this? Why is this so hard? Um, and I know it is right. I know, yeah. you know, humans are complicated and we have, we behave the way we behave for all kinds of different reasons, but like, I don't know, like there's just, it seems like it's something that you can, you know, it's like so easy to grasp and yet it's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. <laughs> and, and the poem art, like, I, it's so wild to me. I, Again, people ask me, how did this poem art thing start? I, I don't know if I remember. I remember doing art with my nieces and nephew at their house. They're our neighbors. And I had, oh, okay, so my book, Unbelieve, I self-published it first. And I screwed it up. And there were, like, some mess-up copies and stuff. And so I had... I decided I was going to tear out some of these pages and just make something like mm. maybe put them like take the poem and put it on some kind of um, colorful paper, or decorate something. I'm not an artist and like, I don't um, not the painting kind or the drawing kind. And so I remember thinking that, and then I had, um, I guess I just got the idea. I had a frog and toad book and I love frog and toad growing up. I, I get old books at Goodwill. A lot of the books I'll get, are books I remember from my childhood, just for nostalgic reasons. And so I just tore out a couple poems and paired them with some frog and toad illustrations. And I was like, these are really fun. Like this really matches. It's a lot of fun to go through the book, find an illustration that seems to match the poem. Like you're talking about that mouse or whatever that was that's, that reminded you of yourself and the ice mm. cream that you love and just different things stand out to you. And then it turned into this, I don't know, I bought a laminator, I bought, I started buying all these kids books, all these illustrations doing series like Amelia Bedelia, Beauty and the Beast, Snow mm -hmm. White, uh, Frog and Toad, Curious George. And now it, this is part of like who I was back then coming out as a kid. I love this kind of stuff. I would cut things out of magazines, make different things. I did it kind of all the way through and, and I make collages for my boyfriend in high school. I put these words together with stuff. And I've always been drawn to that, to word art. And yeah. So now when I just this the please cut out my poems book that that you have is is um that just that idea came kind of out of nowhere and I did it quickly and I am in love with it and people like when you show me your poems and then you told me that story i'm like this is this is what i was made for and it seems so simple and ridiculous like are you kidding me there's a this silly poem you made and this picture from something 
and somebody's putting it together in this way, but it is bigger than that because it means something to you. Yeah. And it means something to me that my words somehow meant something to you. That poem will not mean what it means to you to anybody else, but right. it might mean something to them. Like we are connecting somehow through words that's like, this is my experience and you're taking them and putting with your experience. And even my other book of poems that people don't necessarily cut up, even though I cut up mine, um, people will tell me how it resonated with them. People will rewrite some of my poems a little bit so that it fits them. They'll write things in the margins or they'll say, this is someone just, I just put my Instagram story today. Someone sent me a photo of one of the poems from the police cut up my poems. And it was about like, after three years, like still wishing that my, like still believing foolishly that my ex could be a better person or something. Sure. She was like, oh, Marla, this really hit home. And then she told me this whole story. I only shared the little part where she said this really resonated. I didn't share the whole thing that she told me. Her story is different than mine, but it was the same, the same kind of thing. And she, that really spoke to her and it freed something up in her. It feels like magic. It really feels like it is magic. Magic. <laughs> that it you is magic. To do this. So I, I believe like, it is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna keep doing it because I am having so much dang fun. Like I love ripping these pages out and finding the poems and putting them together. And yeah, whoo! It's it's well, wild. I mean, going back to something you said almost at the beginning of like how it was so hard to impossible to write down mm. your story as prose. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you kind of take it way up into this very abstract and just almost like glimpses of, of different emotions and different things just like, and that's honestly like I had been wanting to write about the um I had been wanting to write about that time with the child and the mom in the service mm. forever. And I was about to do it, actually. <laughs> and then you posted about doing this book mm -hmm. and potentially wanting to get some other poems. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write it as a poem. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, as I finished it and I was reading, I was like, this is so much more powerful than mm -hmm. if I had just factually put together the events that took place. Because yeah. A, it made it so much more easy to write it from the perspective of the person who was actually being attacked in that yeah. moment. Mm -hmm. Right? Um because like I didn't experience that, but I could imagine it. And right. the imagination again takes you to the poetry. Yeah. Um, like when I was, you know, the first book of yours that I got, like, I think I read it within a, a day. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm just like going through these poems. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I don't know what you were thinking when you wrote most of those. I probably, yeah. you know, um, but but I saw a common experience mm -hmm. or a common feeling or a common like 
just like I can I can picture myself in that thing, mm -hmm. yeah. in that event that you're describing or that feeling that you're describing or that thing that happened and how you're responding to it. I'm like, yeah, that's how I responded to something very similar. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it is, it's hard to, it's hard to tell that as just a list of things yeah. that happened. Here's, here's, here's what happened. Here's the account. Um, and I think that's why I find, you know, your, your words so powerful because Again, I was able to in I feel like so much of my story was represented in so few words and I mm -hmm. didn't even write them. Yeah. So that's, I mean that's the dream. That's the dream when you write stuff like that is for people to be like, Wow, that's that's what I would have said or that resonates with me or thank you for that. Or for some people it's like, Oh, so I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only person that feels like that. Because a lot of times we don't know. And it's not easy to put how you feel into words. Like I think about how much we feel in life and how much of it actually makes it out into words that other people hear. Um, and so to read something, you're like, oh my gosh, I felt that exact same way. Like ever since my divorce, when I read things about people whose ex-husbands cheated on them or different like, things, I'm like, that's how I felt this. And mm. so it's, you can, it, it's just really, yeah, it's really healing and really helpful. I mean, for me, the writer and for me, the reader to um, to have that connection. And I know like I don't one thing I've realized as a writer. And so I I'm on Instagram. I have a white girl learning account that I I read and review books by black, indigenous, other authors of color. And I I feel this pull to share people's books, share their words and share what resonated with me because as a writer, you have no idea how any of your words landed with someone unless that person tells you. Oh, so yeah. when you send me an Instagram DM and say, I read your book or this, I relate to this or here's this poem or whatever, I would never, ever, ever know that <laughs> unless right. you told me. I wish I could know everything that everyone feels that everyone read. I will. I have no idea what percentage I'll ever know. That's why every single time I get some kind of message or email or comment or someone posts something, it means so much to me because I don't take that for granted. Like I know how many books I have read that I've never told the author how I felt or they have never seen all of the notes I wrote in their book I got to meet someone in October her name is Tamise and she wrote this really great book called Unleavened Faith or Faith Unleavened I think it is and we met and I had her sign my book and I showed her the things that I had written and I wrote all over it and I'm like fuck that fuck this not her words but she's talking about like the white evangelical yeah, church yeah and yeah and she like her eyes got huge and she was like oh, can, I, can i take this back to my hotel room tonight like look through and i'm thinking oh i hope i didn't say anything that i don't want the author to see but i was like yes and i thought what if i could see everybody's like written up anyway it's just i i love the connection and it changes my book people will say oh i love how you made this connection i love how you said this i did not do that on purpose I didn't know that I did that. <laughs> they saw that. 
they made the connection. They thought I was smart. <laughs> and it's like, ha ha, no, you just, you're Those the are the best one. ones though. <laughs> I didn't know how smart I was. I made a connection and I had no idea I was doing it. That's awesome. Oh, I love, <laughs> I love how smart I actually am when I find out later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like you do you hear this people? Like send the notes. Yes. Like I yep. I anytime anyone ever sends me a note about something that I wrote, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the most precious thing mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you just, you know, I've I've done a lot of different things. Like when when you're you know, when you're teaching a group of people directly, you get some amount of feedback in mm-hmm. the room. Mm-hmm. Right. You you can tell if you know what you're doing, you can tell if you're landing yeah. or if you're yep. falling flat. Yeah. Um, you write something and send it out into the world. If nobody ever reports back, then <laughs> you don't know if anybody wrote it or not. You you yeah. have no idea. And 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 so um, you know, I'll write something and I won't get any feedback. And I'm like, did, did it work? Like, mm-hmm. did I do something wrong? Like what? Cause, cause you're like, I, to me, like the interaction of the words, like sharing ideas and evolving and bouncing off of each, like, to me, that's the part that I love. Yeah, me too. But the part that's so hard to get going in this world. Yeah. Because we don't stop long enough. And so the only thing we do have is, is social media, but social media is, you know, it's got all its own challenges um not the least of which is is like you know i i'm always terrified that i'm going to dm somebody and like oh this is some other creep and they're just going to block <laughs> me and i'm like no i just really wanted to say thank you yeah um i just really wanted to gush over you a little bit because i think yeah. your stuff's amazing um and um but there are enough you know people out there who are not you know don't have the best of intentions so it's right. just like um but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm so happy when people just ignore that and say, "Hey, I wanted to let you know that, you know, I got a note on my Substack from someone uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago that said, oh, I've, I've followed your career since like, you know, 2018 or something.' And I'm Whoa. like, what, really? <laughs> wow, cool. And it's yeah. like, and you know, so it's so good to see you on this path that you're on now. And I wow. wish. You- and he paid for a subscription. I don't oh, even wow. know who this. I don't. Rem- I, I'm sorry to say. I know you're probably listening. I don't <laughs> remember our interaction because huh. I met so many people um, on those conference tours. But um, um, those words meant so much to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and also just hey, I'm. You don't get anything extra on my Substack for paying. You're just motivating me to keep going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause honestly, I don't have the space to do more than what I'm doing for free. Right, right. Um, but Hey, I'll let people give me money if they want to, if they want to show their appreciation, <laughs> I because love every, money. <laughs> every little bit helps, you know, yeah. I have to play capitalism like everyone else. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, to me, that's just like an extra, just, Oh, I really need to do a good job of this. Somebody cared enough to pay me for it. Yeah. Um, this is not. Um, just, and it's not a game for me. Like I, I, I want more people to read what you wrote. Mm. I've invited people on this. I invite, I want people to hear what people have to say. And it's like, Mm. okay, if I can, you know, if somebody's going to listen to you because they decided to listen to me first, that's a win. 
Yeah. Um, that's oh, what that's... this is about. I want to yeah. amplify other people. And I see you doing, you're part of the, what inspired me to do that. Cause I see yeah. so much of what you do is just amplifying others. Um, and I'm so I've run into ideas and people and accounts that I didn't know existed just because all you do is highlight amazing <laughs> people doing amazing things that people should be paying attention to. And I'm just like, cool. Like, yeah. she seems to be having a lot of fun doing this. She's learning all this stuff. Mm -hmm. She gets to talk to all these interesting people. Mm -hmm. She gets to help people. Like, I want to do some of that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that because that is my dream. Like, that's what I love to do. And I think back when you're talking about, am I lacking now or any of that? And I didn't have that freedom. I had to be really careful. Like, I... I have to make sure they believe what I believe. I have to make sure this. Right. Is I have to make sure this and make sure Are they that. quoting from sure the that. right translation of the and Bible. And now it's like, <laughs> who the hell cares? Is, can this person, are they a good writer? Do they love people? Are they fun? <laughs> are they, it's just, yeah. So it changes everything. And I, I always point it back to Rachel Held Evans, who mm. um, was like, will always be a hero to me. And the one, I mean, there are for a million reasons, like, I don't know if I would have deconstructed when I did or if or any of that without her and her influence. But the biggest thing she did is she used her platform to amplify other people and specifically people that were marginalized, black authors, indigenous authors, other authors of color. And I always said to myself, like, I, I hope someday I can write books that sell a whole bunch of copies so that I can then do that same thing too well i decided i'm glad i decided not to wait until i had books that sold a lot of copies i still don't have books yet that sold a lot of copies and i'm still able to do it like as i went um it's never you can have 50 people follow you on instagram and you can amplify other people you can yeah. tell your friends you can you can do whatever you don't need a i didn't need a rachel held evans size platform to start doing that and the opportunities just fall in my lap and you said that it i i seem to be happy doing this it is like the greatest joy of my life like the, mm. the th and i don't have to do shit that's not fun for me anymore like i don't have to serve in the church nursery or do like <laughs> things i don't want to do i can amplify black authors and give away poem art like that's what i, that's what I can do and i love it and yeah, it's just, it's magic. I mean, it's good to be happy, right? Yeah. Like, I never, I, I hate to say, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you enjoy in Jesus. And it's like, I was so miserable as a Christian. <laughs> I was, was so no miserable <laughs> all the time. All the time. I was like, just beating myself up. And yep, like, yep, yep. I was talking to my therapist today and, and like, like she basically named, it's like, look, you know, what you're dealing with is shame. Yeah. Just mounds and mounds of unresolved shame. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just like, yeah, like, but when, when people can no longer hold that over you mm -hmm. and you can just do what feels right. Mm -hmm. Um, no, you don't run out and start like, you know, having sex with everybody on every, you know, that, that you find and doing all the drugs that you can find yeah. because you don't really want to do that. Like you want to just go yeah. 
be happy and <laughs> and and make help other people be happy and yeah. like um the only reason i find that we get you know angry and possessive and grief because is because we've created all this false scarcity in the world mm-hmm. of of it's like no really we have enough and abundance mm-hmm. we just hoard it yeah and 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 if we just kind of you know if everybody had what they needed i think everybody would also probably chill out and be a lot more yeah loving and happy and and generous and everything else because you're not having to make sure that you survive yeah um and and i think that's part of it is like you know just you know okay well i'm talking about physical resources but also like you know there's this there's the spiritual shame of it's like oh well when you're no longer worried that someone's going to shame you for doing what you know is right it makes it a whole lot easier and fun to do yeah for sure (laughs) and 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 you're just kind of like leaning into that yeah and what to your point about the resources it's like there's so many people in this country in this world that don't have what they need and then you've got people who do have what they need but you've got politicians telling them that these people over here are coming to take all of their things so they've got to protect it with guns and laws and all of this so it it is that scarcity thing where people who actually don't have what they need the people who do have what they need but they're terrified that they won't have it when let's just give everyone what they need let's make sure everybody can eat let's make sure everybody has a place to live let's make sure that everyone has health care let's make sure that when you have cancer you're not going to die because you don't have health insurance like all of those things and then yeah it's it's a whole when you're free (laughs) when you're free to survive you tend to also thrive yeah is 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 what i see it's like that it's like when you're no longer worried about your basic necessities Mm -hmm. when you've got I mean, was the was this that silly uh, the pyramid uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Oh yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like, yeah, we're we're trying to get people to play up here in the top of the pyramid, but we're disallowing the bottom. Yeah, saying, oh well, you know, you also have to work to get that, but you need to be up here all the time. Right. Uh, and it's like, no, actually, we're we're having a hard enough time getting the bottom of the pyramid in place, and so yeah. how do you expect anybody to to do all these things that you want them? you should go work harder it's like i don't have anything to eat i don't have the energy to work harder right um and i'm getting sick um Mm -hmm. but i can't pay to get better because i can't work to pay because i'm sick right yeah Yeah. it 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 it, uh yeah so so like yeah it's you know liberation you you get free of the need to survive you get free of shame you get free of all these things and all of a sudden it's like you don't turn into a lazy person. Do you? you actually go out and do things because you feel good and you're happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like it's the, the, the narrative is just wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, to your point, like you don't have to be, um, you don't have to have the following of a Rachel held Evans. You can have 50 people. It's like, well, you know, if you've got a million people with 50 people, um, you've got, you, you you can cover a lot of ground um and so yeah just talk say you know say what you think and 
amplify the people that you think are doing good things. And you never know you're the algorithm's weird. Like you never know when your post is going to show <laughs> yeah. up. You could be the person that helps somebody find somebody. It's true. I mean, I tell people all the time, you've helped me find people. Other people mm -hmm. have helped me find you. Other people, I, 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 I seldom end up finding the most awesome people because I was looking for them is because somebody <laughs> else found them first and yeah. said, Hey, here's this person doing yeah. something awesome. You should know them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, do that people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, that's how this whole thing works. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like if yeah. you don't share, then, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you don't, you don't get seen. Yeah. Um, I still don't think, I don't think anybody ever sees me on threads. Um, I That's a tough I tried, one, yeah. <laughs> I've tried to post, I've tried to post incendiary things and I just can't get it. Like, <laughs> I can't get any response. Like, I think the algorithm has decided that I'm no, I'm going to have to delete that account and recreate it. Do you comment a lot on other people's stuff? I haven't spent a lot of time. I do some, like yeah. I have a hard time getting motivated because I get yeah. nothing out of it. Yeah. I don't yeah. get a ton of feedback out of the other platforms, but I get yeah. some. So, um, yeah, like I want it to work because I, um, between that and notes, they're like the only two places that I feel like I can write some sentences that people might actually read because Instagram, they're going to look at the picture. <laughs> like, like, yeah, that's not where you want to get your writing. Um, you know, what you, read should, some you know what you should do, Matt, is you take your words, you print them out. And you make poem art out of out of your words. And then no, I've thought there. about it. <laughs> I've thought about it. I've thought about. It. I've been lazy, and I'm just using your poems. I just um, um, this person's probably not going to listen to this podcast until after their birthday. But I I um I took some friends' words. They have a 40th birthday coming up next week. Took their own words and typed them up and printed them out and put them on like made some poem art for them out of their That's own awesome. words for their birthday. And then I started getting all these ideas of all these people I want to do it for. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I do not have the time. <laughs> I have so many books I want to write. I have so much art I want to make. I have so many things I want to do. And now I'm going to make poem art out of all my friends' poems. Well, I might still do it for their birthdays or whatever, but. Um, Look, I have the same problems. Yeah. If I, if I, if I even tried to do all the things that I want to do, um, I, I need about, nine more lives um to do it in because yeah. i'm just, i want to create that i want to create yeah. that and i want to create things that i don't even know how to create yet yeah um just because it seems like it would be cool to create something like that like yeah. i just i like making stuff mm, me too um and it's been later in life that i've picked up the crafty um it's like all the stuff that um all the stuff that i watched my wife do when i was in my 20s now i'm doing in my 40s so um who knows like cool. how how's but but i have i have a lot of fun i color now yeah um i love to color that's like, awesome. one of the most therapeutic activities yeah. i had no idea how calming <laughs> coloring was when i was a child yeah but um now i know as an adult it's like yeah that's why it calms mm -hmm. you down mm -hmm. <laughs> it's good stuff it's grounding yeah. um well, anyway, I think we have that. We have gone well over an hour, <laughs> Oops. and um, I'm 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 okay with that because I have not been bored yet, um, and I'm and I'm hoping that there are still people listening um, at this point in the recording because yeah. I do want to thank you for coming. Um, can you uh, point out the places that? people can find you since the whole purpose of me bringing you here was to help people find you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I am Marla Taviano on Instagram, on threads. I have White Girl Learning on Instagram too. Um, Facebook, I don't hang out there much. Twitter, I'm not there much anymore. And my website is marlataviano.com, but it is um, kind of under construction. Mm. My ex-husband was the web designer. So when he left, that kind of imploded and I lost marlataviano.com. A friend got me it's me marla.com and tried to help me do some things and then marlataviano.com came back up for sale and i got it for 50 bucks so i got to figure out how to move that over and do all that but i would say instagram is the place i hang out the most oh my substack is marlataviano.substack.com i do a free poem every thursday and then i have a paid portion that's monday and thursday it's more of a um I share stuff there that I, I say I don't really want to share online. I, I get there are like 30 or 40 people there that are, I don't actually know all of them, but it does feel safer there than just putting it out in the whole big universe. Sure, sure, but, sure. Um, <clears throat> no, I totally get that. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. It, there's, it's, it's, it's not that incendiary folks. Um, <laughs> No, it's um, not. It's not it's, that. It's just. It's more you know, intimate. It's not really the right word. It's more. I, I'm just honest and. Yeah. And yeah. Stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. I and and I actually love reading those, um, if for no other reason than I'm like, okay. You know, you were in a good moment. You were in a bad moment. Whatever it is, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I can hold that for a second, right? Yeah. And just say, oh yeah, yeah wow like been there yeah empathize with that moment like it's mm -hmm. it's just cool to it's cool to share things with people that you don't actually ever share physical space with mm -hmm. um and, and and it's like you're not a part and so you don't ever get glimpses like that really yeah. into most most lives online are very um you know they're they're shaped in a certain yeah, way yeah. We, we put what we want to see yeah. and so um of course i'm the classic overshare i probably put stuff <laughs> that i don't i want i wish people didn't see oh but, i do that i do that too <laughs> yeah but but yeah it's um it to me i just the less polished and the more real someone is online mm -hmm. that's who i'm that's who i'm gravitating toward yeah I'm like oh somebody who's not got it all together and they want yeah. to say words about things that interest me. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome. free. It's really freeing not to have it all together too, because it's really hard to keep it all together. <laughs> it really is. It really, you were talking about writing your 7,000 word or 7,000 page essay <laughs> yeah. on all, you know, the, the, the complete, you know, theory of, of all of my beliefs of everything yeah. that yeah. exists now versus what I, I was like, I'm going to write that down too, like a couple years ago. <laughs> And yeah, that really never got off the ground either because yeah. like, okay, you get a few seconds into it and it falls apart because yeah, cool. you find something else. But anyway, we could go on, but yeah, we should, okay. we're going to we, stop. We, yep. Maybe we'll have another episode one day. Um, um, but cool. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you for being guest number one on this, <laughs> um, young podcast. Um, um, if we make it to a hundred, you'll, we'll definitely have you back for episode 100 because if we make it to a hundred, I'll be impressed. <laughs> we'll maybe need to commemorate that. Maybe you should have me on at 50. <laughs> okay. 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 We'll see. We'll I'm just see. kidding. 100. You got this, Matt. You 100. Got it, all right. Matt. It's, it's, you've, you heard it here first. 
Marvel will be back when we do, in fact, have episode 100 of yeah. Contemplating Resonance. However many so, years it takes, I will be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, I'm going to say um, good night from where we're sitting right now, and um, we will see you next time. Good night. Yeah.